0: We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy.
1: On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice.
2: Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us.
1: Fuel your passion for pharmacy.
2: One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bivens, Vice President of Sales for Pioneer X. and today I'm here with Josh.
0: Hi, I'm Josh Allen, Senior Vice President of Clinical Strategy and Development for
2: PioneerX. Today we're here with Victoria Hennessy, Owner of Community Pharmacy of Springdale. So glad you're here. You're one of the Arkansas alums now on the show. Yeah. yeah. So up, yeah. There, up there with uh, some 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 high flying people.
1: Like, let's see. I've talked to Scott Pace. I've talked to Megan. <laughs> I'm just trying to learn from them. (laughs) Just take everything you can from, from people who have already been through it and just learn.
0: I know. I know. I mean, the cool part is if you get to do it after them, you get to figure out what they made a mistake on and not do that.
1: You know, Arkansas pharmacy is really collaborative and for the most part, everybody's really friendly. And like, you know, if, if, I call Scott and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, well, don't do this, this,
3: way this,
1: this, way, and whatever. And it's, it's, it's really great to have those mentors. Scott was, um, he came and spoke when I was in pharmacy school and I just remember being like all in, like, I gotta oh, listen really? to everything, catch every word this guy's got to say. And, you know, there's just so many pharmacists like that in, in Arkansas. It's, I feel like I'm just learning from the
3: best
2: you you really are and and you're one of the best you're also the so for people who don't know she's uh Victoria Hennessy is also the lead luminary in, for CPS in Arkansas um second sec- second second lead yeah. li- okay we'll right we'll edit that out we'll know. edit See, that out. Vice, can, we can vice, fix that vice vice chair. vice chair vice chair but one of the lead one of the lead luminaries there in uh Arkansas for CPS for the CPSN efforts um and one of the you were like all in. So, so we'll, we, we'll go back to like how you got started as an entrepreneur uh, later, but like you were one of the few people that was, um, kind of all in on vaccinating right at the beginning.
1: I joke and say, you know, my husband and I had not been owners for very long. We uh-huh. had just purchased the drugstore in July of 2020 and, um,
0: great time to buy a store by the way. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah.
1: I remember coming home and being like, hey, this, you know, there's an opportunity to be a vaccine provider. And, you know, I know this is going to be different than any other vaccine we give, mm-hmm. but we give other vaccines. So why would not we just give this one, you know? Um, so, you know, I think we need to talk about it. I think it's going to require a little more work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we had we had what at the time was the most realistic conversation about, OK, what are the next six, nine months look like if we take this on. What I didn't know Mm -hmm. was that we were going to be one of very few vaccine providers in the area. So, you know, I kind of thought, Oh, all the doctor's offices will have it. We'll have it. You know, pharmacies throughout the state will have it. I didn't realize we were going to be like one of 12 locations in a county of nearly 300,000 people to, uh, to be given it. So yeah, at some point it was like, yes, we're going to take this on and we're going to do this because it's the right thing for the community. Had no idea how we were going to get paid or how we were going to really even be able to workflow it. Mm -hmm. But it just, there were too many yeses. There were no nos, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just go with it and you figure it out as you go. And, you know, could I look back and say we made mistakes? Yeah, of course, you know, but the answer was never, no, we can't. We just have to find a way to do it. And um, it's been a long, long road for sure.
0: So this time next year in wave 37 of COVID, wave thirty-seven, what would you do different about your vaccines?
1: Well, I will call Pioneer first <laughs> and say, hey, I need to be able to build these on site <laughs> <laughs> or data enter these on site. We were A long time before we got a VPN, and it was like, why didn't I connect with other pharmacy owners and say, "How are you doing it?" I mean, Mm -hmm. I did, but not so much in the. It was like, okay, the data entry, we just have to get it to the registry as soon as possible. But in terms of billing and all that, you know, we were really late to the game in terms of getting that process going. We have such a we have a large staff for one pharmacy, but we have such a small staff that could be allocated to that movement. So at one point, like I have a, one of my technicians, she's, you know, vaccines have kind of become her job. Um, it was not our plan, but that's how it's ended up. And, and at one point, I think she was checking, she was doing our job form. She was checking patients in, she was helping people fill out consent forms. She was making sure we had all our supply. She was literally doing every job except for vaccinating at the time because Mm -hmm. technicians weren't able to vaccinate at the time. And as soon as that became available, she was like, I'll do that too. (laughs) Oh, wow. You
2: really had someone step Uh, up then.
1: So, you know, I think looking back, you're real hesitant, especially as a new owner, to go, well, we need to hire, like, you know, hiring somebody when you don't know what the payment model is, if you can afford to pay them, you know, that's really scary. So I think now looking back on it, I can have more confidence in that we'll, it'll work itself out.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's get the staff and support we need. But we were very, very fortunate with the partnership we had with the local church. Um, they provided a lot of volunteers and they were kind of repeat volunteers. Really? So um, it wasn't like we had to go through the whole process. And, you know, really by the, by the end, our, our two day a week clinics were running like 900
3: people. 900 through in a day vaccine vaccines per day. Um, wow okay
1: yeah we did two large clinics per day and they they ran anywhere from um I mean, per week two large clinics per week at the family life center at the first united methodist church in springdale arkansas and okay. um we were running anywhere between five and 900 vaccines wow. um in a day it was wow. really a well well
2: old i machine, know it I sounds guess. like like somebody yeah.
1: said we're the chick-fil-a vaccines and i was like <laughs> Hands down, best compliment t- I could ever get. I'll take that Thank all you. day.
2: Yeah, no kidding. No, you yeah. never want
1: to be in pharmacy. You really don't want to be compared to a fast food. But if we're going to be compared to one, yeah, Chick-fil-A's well, it.
0: especially one whose drive through game is the best drive through game in town.
1: I'm still like, working on that. I still, <laughs> that seems to just be an ever-going issue, even after we opened the lobby, you know. But yeah, the vaccines were, were really flowing well. And
0: I forget, you're in Northwest Arkansas then.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I live in Fayetteville, our, our pharmacies in Springdale, okay. which is about 10, 15 miles north of Fayetteville.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I, I kind of associate Arkansas with, if it's not Little Rock or Fayetteville slash Bentonville, I don't have any concept of where it's I'm, at.
1: I'm smack dab in the middle between Bentonville and Fayetteville. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> well, man, that, I mean, that was, that's, and, and what about, okay. So present state, not probably not near what you're looking at now. And you've learned how to kind of just take it all in into the, into the pharmacy itself? You still have, did you yeah. still have to get more space and expand a little bit or what'd you end up doing there?
1: Uh, um, just being really creative, yeah. <laughs> really. Um, our lobby was still closed. Um, our area was just still really high case, low, low vaccination rate. Um, so our lobby was still closed when we decided to stop doing the major large clinics. You know, we were seeing demand really drop off about that May, June period, Everybody's like, okay, we're still not really well vaccinated, but I, you know, I can't send an entire staff over for an entire day to maybe do a hundred vaccines. So we got to figure out how to how to get back to the pharmacy and do this and, and incorporate it into our regular business, you know. Um, so we we came back to the pharmacy and we did walk in, walk ins only, and basically half of my lobby became our vaccine clinic oh. slash waiting area. Okay. We have one one patient room which was originally a prescription file room. That's where all those, like you open the door and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't even go in there because there's just prescription files, boxes everywhere. Um, We ended up kind of like going through all that, you know, and um, clearing that room out, making it a, you know, clinical room Mm -hmm. so we can do vaccines mostly. That's what it was originally for. And we were doing that before um, COVID vaccines came across because I, I, I did recognize we had a pretty big, opportunity with vaccines outside of, you know, before COVID came along, um, you know, so we utilize that room and we have, you know, a check-in desk and, you know, tried to keep it as separate as we could from the regular pharmacy workflow. Um, so that's, and we're still doing that today. Um, we haven't officially made it to a an appointment-based model for vaccines, um, but we're headed there.
2: Really? Nice.
0: So it's interesting. You, you went the exact opposite direction that most pharmacies we talked to went, which was, they were like appointments only no walk-ins and you went the other way. So if you 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 did that again, diverse
1: patient population mm -hmm. and, um, and appointments aren't always best. And, you know, we already had a lot of vaccine hesitancy and barriers in our area. So going straight to appointments just didn't seem like, it was going to be the right thing for our patients.
2: I can see you're, you're almost like putting up another barrier then almost yeah. in a way to a degree, right? Especially for yeah. someone maybe not tech savvy or something like that. It's, yeah. it's almost introducing another filter for them to try to pass through. To for sure. To get
1: and we were getting a lot of um, patients who were being, you know, required, they had to get it for their job and, right. you know, that you just kind of got to catch those people when, when you can. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now we're at the point where we want to get started on COVID testing. We haven't done that, haven't had the capacity to do that, so we're getting ready to do that, and I was like, well, we're going to have to get a little more predict- you know, predictability in here, yeah. so uh, we're going to do uh, set up appointments for about two-thirds of what we do a day on average for vaccines and leave the, the other third for walk-in availability capacity. that we can just plug on yeah. mm-hmm. um, and see how that goes. You know, every, tri- every time you try to control something like that, that's been previously pretty uncontrolled. Right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pushback, you know? Right. Well, um, you know, I'm so a,
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of the appointment based model for pharmacy. And yet when I had to go get my COVID booster, I was like, man, I wish I could just walk in.
2: <laughs> right. When you became a consumer. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was a consumer. I was like, this like- is so inconvenient. <laughs> you, you mentioned you're here the second, like just kind of talking through hesitancy. Um, What's your approach to some of that?
1: It's patient specific. Yeah. You know, it's patient specific because everybody, you know, you can do a study and decide what are, you know, the top reasons for vaccine hesitancy. That's great. Like we can all prepare for that. But I think it's, I think when you really sit down and, and take the time to listen to a patient and just even if their fears are just completely irrational to you as a clinician mm, right. you're just like how did you get here
3: mm-hmm. besides
1: tiktok like right. how did you get here um you have to listen and you have to listen with a like you have to have listening eyes when you when you um, listen to them yeah. like not just waiting for them to stop talking so you can say the next thing mm-hmm. that's going to debunk whatever they said right you know having that empathy um really thinking, wow, if I didn't know better than that, that would really prevent me from getting this vaccine or whatever. Um, I think that's part of it, you know, just really having those individual conversations and developing a relationship. I have had some patients that I could not get them there Mm -hmm. in the first conversation. But if you can leave them with something, think on this and come back. And, you know, I don't know how many of those have actually come back, but I would say most of the time we do, we do talk them into getting the vaccine and, and you know, it has to feel important to them, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever, whatever their hesitancy is, you have to acknowledge it and not treat them like a group of people who believe in this particular myth.
2: I gotcha. Yeah. Um, you have a pot, you have a population there that's fairly unique too, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. We have a, um, well we have a lot of the um, Latinx community in Springdale uh-huh. um, but we also have a really high population of Pacific Islander right people and um, specifically Marshallese mm-hmm. and a lot of people go what did you say this,
2: yeah, we had that uh, exact same we were, we were talking were quite... about that before we got on with you because it, what what um Madison, do your homework? Yeah, yeah no Madison well Madison well. did homework with you and then I did homework yeah. afterwards and I was like whoa i I didn't know there was that many Marshallese people there in Springdale?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, it's like the Northwest Arkansas has the largest population. If I, if this is still yeah. correct, uh, it is correct in, in, in the United, United States. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we do try, I have two, um, employees who speak Marshallese and, wow. uh, and you know, it's, it's different than Spanish. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I can speak enough Spanish to get myself in trouble. (laughs) I can listen and try to get, pick up on context clues, but Marshallese is just a very difficult language to learn. And so, um, you know, I rely extreme amounts on my two staff members to help Hmm. with that particular population. And um, vaccine hesitancy is, is a concern, but the, I would say the biggest concern when reaching that population is getting information to them in a timely manner that is in their preferred language. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You can go anywhere. Like Google translate doesn't have Marshallese. Um, you know, yeah. there's not an E, you know, there wasn't an EUA in fact sheet in Marshallese, you right. know, and it's, it's really tough. We have one, um, physician here, oh, primary care physician okay. that I've worked with. Um, he's one of two in the United States that are Marshallese uh, physicians and we're very fortunate to have him. And I've, I've worked with him a lot and um, we worked together to try, to try to reach that particular population. But I remember when the kid, when the Pfizer got approved down to age 12, okay, um, I was approached by a community member who's a big advocate for the Marshallese community. And he said, I want to have a, um, a back to school event for this group of people. And at that time, I, I can't remember exactly when Pfizer went down, got the approval for down to, to age 12, but okay. it had been a while. Okay. And I remember being like, wow, we're not any better at this than we were when COVID first came out, you know, and COVID really wrecked their community. Um, It, it impacted their community just significantly. Mm, okay. And um, I thought, wow, they should, and I said, why are we just now waiting? Like, why, why just now, you know, it seems like we're a little delayed in this. And then I'm thinking, well, I should have done something Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um, better. And he goes, they didn't know that their kids were eligible. I'm being told by parents they didn't know. And I was like, wow, it has been all over the news, you know, I mean, and and Northwest Arkansas community, very, vac- I mean, for the most part, um, pretty vaccine Pre- friendly.
2: Yeah, pretty high know. percentage of population, uh, at least where you're at anyways. Um,
1: yeah, Fayetteville specifically. And, yeah. and you know, it was, it was just a wake up call to me. It's like, man, I've been embedded in this community yeah. for now 10 years. And, you know, at what point are we going to start thinking about them first?
2: I see, yeah, I see what you mean. And then, and then to your point, like, like you said, now try to introduce an appointment based model. With, yeah. with, you know what I mean? You just, you got a lot, yeah, you got a lot of barriers mm-hmm. in front of, in front of that, that it doesn't lend itself to, to subjecting everybody to yet. Right. Cause yeah it's just not yeah.
0: You know, yeah, it, so. it, it kind of takes me back to when, you know, when we talked to Rannon early on and his his pharmacy in Terrytown they, they served a lot of like um, disabled adults. So like, oh, you know, yeah. mental, you know, they were in like group homes and they were completely forgotten. Yep. And, you know, we we're like, man, we're doing such a good job patting ourselves on the back. Like, vaccinating all over the place. And then there's these pockets who are just wholly forgotten. And that when they pop up, you're like, Oh man.
1: Yeah. I mean, we went to a few places like that. Um, we went to a low income senior citizen community, you know, um, not assisted living. Um, I don't really know exactly how to classify this particular, uh, group of, of individuals, but I remember when they're the property manager reached out and it was like, Oh my gosh. She was like, I will rent a bus and I will load them up and bring them to you. If you will just vaccinate them. And I was like, completely unnecessary. I will come to you. Mm-hmm. I just didn't mm-hmm. know you existed. So <laughs> right, right. I will come to you and me and two interns and, you know, we just went and and took care of their community and, the the reaction was just like wow you know
3: yeah.
1: y'all will come on site and that's what i learned i think looking back on the whole process like your pharmacy is so far beyond your four walls
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know you if you can get out in the community and serve in those ways that no one else is there's extreme value in that
2: yeah that's big as yeah it echoes too like and you ended up you end up meeting people like you said, that you didn't know or people that you should know. Right. And and like, I know a lot of people come on here, all have relationships now with either some type of public health person, some type of FQHC that maybe, or, or some home or something like that, that they didn't used to talk to or didn't serve. And now they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember Scott touched on our relationship, Scott Pace touched on our relationship with, um, Dr. Dillahay Um, with the Arkansas Department of Health, you know, she's a lead epidemiologist and she has been the biggest champion for pharmacy throughout this. And we have such a great relationship with the Department of Health through this. Um, It just makes you go, okay, now we all need to get in a room and we need to say, what we do well? And Mm -hmm. what do we need to do differently next time? You know, I think we all have a tendency to, not that COVID's over, COVID is not over. Right. But when things start to settle down, you go, Oh my gosh, I can take a breather. Mm -hmm. But really before you do that, we should all get in a room and, and brainstorm on how could we have done this better? How do we reach the populations that it took so long to get to, you know, and, and we're all guilty of it. Like we all need everybody. I think Mm -hmm. in healthcare is a little overworked and exhausted and, you know, right now, but, but it would be good to do that.
0: You know, and and same kind of for you guys, we, we sit back and think about, you know, we have this whole roadmap of features that we want to build that, you know, either pharmacies have asked for, or we're like, Hey, this is where pharmacy needs to go. And a lot of what COVID kind of uncovered is that the things that we took for granted were the most important things, right? Like making drive through really easy, being able to do data entry faster, you know, more things in bulk. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that it's really important to as it's starting to wind down to start thinking about in all likelihood we'll have another pandemic and if the faster we can do things right from the start the shorter it will be um and hopefully the next one's not more dangerous than this one no, i hope not right so like i mean imagine if like if it had been like an Ebola style outbreak where you have like a six, 60 or 70% fatality rate we would have a, a very different discussion at this point.
1: Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's really, it'll, if you think too much on it, it'll really shake yeah. you to your core to think about it. But, um, you know, I do want to praise you guys. I've listen I've known since maybe two or three weeks in <laughs> to pioneer that I made the right decision. And if that wasn't proven before, my God, the way that you guys responded to the vaccine rollout and making those features easier for us. Like the only thing I, I just wish I had asked for a VPN a little, or <laughs> of a VPN up a little
2: sooner. It sounds it. like I didn't, um, we didn't sell it correctly is what it sounds like maybe, maybe to did. a degree. I, maybe I you to
1: didn't get told you need to read the new
2: feature. <laughs> I get tendency I to, tell, you need I to read know. what we give you. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah but, um, but seriously, it, it has really changed the way that we, we input vaccines and you know, I, I remember when I did the, the upload of patients to HERSA. I had to call another pharmacy owner and say, Hey, how do I,
3: how do, I do this? <laughs> what am I doing? Like,
1: you know, my husband knows Excel like mm-hmm. inside and out, like he can do anything in Excel, but he doesn't own no pioneer at all. Right. <laughs> so we're about to have to start training him <laughs> too. But, um, but I called this pharmacy owner and I'm like, help, can you help me with this? And I just watched him and I was like, Wow, that was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of been the response, Hillary, was like, so many things are just seems to be the workflow is getting easier. And I really appreciate y'all's dedication to that. And like you said, Josh, like, oh, drive through and data entry, like, we assume those things are, you yeah. know, we're good in those areas. We need to focus on care planning and all that. But if you can, the easier you can make those other things, the more we can dive into the that's higher right, level right. care.
0: Um, and I, I don't mean to be skipping around, but I wanted to go back to the Marshall Islands. I'm a yeah. random factoid fan. Do you know why they settled in northwest Arkansas?
1: I would assume because we have a high um well not high I guess we, we have a lot of poultry plants and so job opportunity was was presented mm. to them, but I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure. Hmm. But I think that has a lot to do with it. But, you know, Tyson's headquartered in Springdale and right. um, oh, yeah. several other several other poultry plants in this Places
0: area. Places who sell a lot to Walmart.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it just like it's one of those things. <laughs> like, you just, it, like wor- you were grasping on that. Like, 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 it's been it worming wor- in my head. How did they end up in right, like Arkansas? How do you end? Like North- it's got to yeah. be like
0: twelve thousand
2: miles, right? Like uh, yeah, like, it's a lot. It's yes. They're on. They're in between mm-hmm. Hawaii and the Philippines. Right, like that's like, where they are. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. It's you're a like long way. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I live in the Marshall Islands. Arkansas sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's good. Sounds so, so like you just like yeah. pick the spot. Yeah, and I really yeah. part of it too is your first few people get there, and then people follow the family, right? Or people right. follow their friends or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure you know? somebody uh-huh.
0: probably ended up there by accident. And was like, hey, it's not bad here. Yeah, and then
2: it's pretty up there. Yeah, it's
0: really pretty. Yeah, it up. really is.
3: The
1: cost of living is relatively low. That's true. You know, there was job opportunity. I think that that's probably mm. the, and it, they may have found that healthcare was easier to access at that time. I don't know. I know that mm. um, when they first arrived, they were given Medicaid, right? And um, then it got taken away for a while. Now it's reinstated, but um, you know, I think just ease you know, ease of, of getting a job and, and right. start setting up community. Yeah. yeah we were, mm.
2: we were talking about that too. Like, you know, in New Braunfels, Texas, there's a really, really big German population. And you're like, how did you all end up here? <laughs> and, right. and and, and <sighs> a lot of it just leads to your first few. And, right. Well, mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. very
0: weird. Like central Texas, you know, you've got New Braunfels, you've got a huge German population. And Polish and west, down there by you've San got, Antonio. Yeah. yeah. And so and you've got West and, and they've got a Czech population and Polish. You're like, I don't understand how. Old. Yeah, you're like how do all you and you know? Like, if we were here. talking.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, no.
0: like my my grandma immigrated um, from Germany after World War II, and so I would I would always ask her like why why did you move from Frankfurt, Germany to Garland, Texas? And it was like,
2: man, It
0: seemed like it was okay. I don't know. Okay.
2: I don't know? Factory. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I I was I, like, not dairy. to insult
0: anybody listening that may or may not be from Garland, but there's really nothing there. Like, it's just a city. You were there. Yeah, and I'm not there anymore. Yeah, no, that's true.
2: All right. <laughs> that's, that's fun. My my kids, so so uh, we can get back on track later, but, but <laughs> my my son, at least, and, and maybe yours aren't old enough yet. My I have, a, I have a 12-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter, and they're almost FaceTime first sometimes, like, with some of their friends. Like, literally, that, like, almost... That's so weird and, and it's, to me. Yeah, where I'm probably text first and my parents are very phone first, right? right. They're almost... FaceTime first. Like, I don't know. maybe mm-hmm.
1: it's a small town girl in me. I'm still phone first. Yeah. I do not want to sit and text you forever. I just <laughs> yeah. want to call and figure out the answer to my question and move on.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? I told you the story, like I bought my daughter, like this little mini mouse phone and it's like an, it's a old phone, right? Like the, it has a cord and oh, everything like on the it.
1: Rotary, like, yeah. yeah. The rotary.
0: And so it's obviously a toy. You hit the button and it plays a song, but like she doesn't answer it and put the phone up to her ear. She answers it and puts the phone in front of her like it's FaceTime. And my I was kids like, do that too. Huh. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: so my kids like, do that too. My kids well, never,
0: ever had to put a phone up to her ear. It's
1: it's funny because Daniel and I were driving to Little Rock. Uh, that's where he's from. Uh-huh. And we were driving to Little Rock and we had, I don't know if we were getting ready to go on vacation, like right after, you know, the big clinics slow mm. down or what. We we're I think we we're driving there to... Maybe drop the kids off with his parents. And we were playing 90s Country. Oh, nice. And Travis Tritt's song comes on, like, here's a quarter. Right. Call someone who cares. And I just, at some point in the song, I just looked over him and I was like, oh my God, Daniel. And he goes, what? If alumni listening, we're going to have to explain why the woman needed a quarter.
2: Right, right, right. right. They have like right. no That's idea what's going on. Like, that old. <laughs> would someone need a quarter? You know, <laughs> wait, I
0: mean, then you're going to have to explain what a payphone is. Right, right,
2: right.
1: There is still a payphone in a working payphone in Northwest Arkansas, huh. in like Prairie Grove somewhere. <laughs> I've never been, but I keep meaning to go. Maybe I'll. Maybe that'll be the moment. I'll take her there and I'll explain the song and we can move on with our lives. I don't know.
2: Yeah, at, at least now with like at least in, in the where my kids are in demographic, they get exposed to things like Stranger Things or things like that that have some some like 80s or 90s themes to it. So they they, they like my kid was watching a movie with me the other day, and they were literally the guy hung up the payphone. He's like, "What is he? What is that? <laughs> like, what is he talking on, dude?" What is did he on, just like,
1: that phone into the
2: wall? Right. right. I, I kind <laughs> of so, want to
0: see how the Matrix, like the fourth Matrix, that's about to come out. How are they gonna? Solved for hmm. getting out of the matrix because you used to have to use the phone banks. And, that's true.
2: Like, like that's thumb. not going to happen anymore, right? That's true.
1: Yeah, no, it's probably just it's going to blow our mind either way. I'm sure.
2: Oh, hey, we we fact checked it on like what brought on the kind of the the twelve thousand Marshallese, Marshallese, Marshallese people. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you're right. So it was apparently a uh, you you said she said basically poultry a, farm. Yeah, a factories. lot of really a combination of a lot of factory jobs available, affordable mm-hmm. housing, and I think good education, I think is what it was. And it was kind yeah. of this, uh, that's kind yeah. of what it
1: was. I mean, that's in that's the 80s, Springdale. Mm-hmm. That's but that's Springdale. Yeah. I
2: mean, Springdale is manufacturing, it's
1: very blue collar, right. You know, town, even now that it's you know, really highly populated town. Um, it's it's still very much kind of the home of the home of the manufacturing process.
2: Yeah. So, so let's go. so usually we go the other way first, but I want to get into like how, how you got started. You're also, as for what I didn't say earlier, you are the award. You won uh, the 2020 distinguished young pharmacist award by Arkansas pharmacy association. Um, so that also another reason why you're here, <laughs> but um, how'd you get going into one pharmacy and then to like, I, you're, you're still fairly young for one of the successful owners I get to meet and get to talk to. So how did you, how'd you get into this?
1: Well, um, I moved up to Northwest Arkansas. First of all, thank you for calling me young. Um, that's the best part of that award. Like I'm going to cling to that the rest
3: of my life.
2: (laughs) That Um, one's going, yeah. yeah, All right. I hear you. It's on the desk.
1: Um, I love it when people say that That's like the only thing I hear is young. I'm like, Oh yes. <laughs> so I love that. I'm so young. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, although I've aged probably 10 years since I uh, got an yeah. award funny. Yeah. but, um, now I moved to Northwest Arkansas, actually my class at UAMS that moved up here to Fayetteville was mm-hmm. the first satellite class
3: for um, UAMS. Okay. So
1: there's a satellite campus here. Um, And we were kind of the guinea pigs Mm -hmm. and I had worked for a small grocery, well, a grocery store chain um, and not had like a terrible experience. It was, it was a fine job, but there were just some things that I saw that I was like, you know, I don't really like that, you know, Mm -hmm. or man, I hate that the pharmacist doesn't have more autonomy Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, so when I moved up here, I was like, you know, I think I want to try independent pharmacy and see if that's something I want to do. And so I literally went to every I mean, I Googled this is back when, you know, you had to Google and like figure out, you know, you didn't have like maybe I had Google on my phone. I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I had my list of pharmacies I was going to go to. And I was also didn't know Northwest Arkansas at all. So i um, kind of aimlessly driving around trying to find these pharmacies. And I went to every single one Okay, that was listed to say, you know, Hey, I, you know, I brought my resume, I'm business casual, you know, ready to work, want to learn and just not a really great response. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, huh. um, I think by one pharmacy owner, I got told I don't help the school and I'm like, I'm, not wow. asking you help. Well, I'm asking if I can work for you for pay <laughs> right, um, and right. mostly, mostly experience. Um, but I was just like, well, probably so not a this is start. when you were so an I intern knew- at the
2: time. Is that what were you were? A- yeah, I was
1: an intern. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't clarify that. I was an intern and, um, I went to a pharmacy where, um, the owner, it just, it was a new startup and the owner had graduated like two years. He was like two years ahead of me in school. And oh, okay. Um, I, you know, I had shadowed there for some of my hours, and I, he had just started. I went back to him and I was like, "Hey, I really want a job. Can I work here?" And he was like, "I can't even pay myself right now. Like, <laughs> I can't hire you. I would love to, but I can't." And he was really, really nice about it. But he's like, "Go see, go see this pharmacy that's in the hospital in Springdale. Like, they don't advertise. They don't. You wouldn't know they were there. Like, but they're, you know, I hear that they're a really great pharmacy and." Great pharmacist to learn from. So I went and he was right. Like no, hardly any signage. Like you, if you're not mm-hmm. looking for it, you will not find, you would not find it. And um, went in and introduced myself to the, to the owner and um, said, you know, I'm looking for a job. I want to learn about independent pharmacy and handed him my resume and he was just real gruff. He just like looked at it. He's like, yeah, I'm losing an, I'm losing a technician in like a month and I don't think I'm going to replace him. Like said that right in front of the technician. I was like, okay, Uh, all right, well, if you change your mind, uh, you have my information, so yeah, okay, and I like walked off, and I remember leaving being like so discouraged, incredibly discouraged, called my dad, I'm like, I'm not going to get a chance to learn about independent pharmacy, nobody's going to give me a chance, I've been to a mall, and he was like, well, in my true dad fashion, he's like, well, take care of business, you got to get a job,
0: (laughs) You got
2: I poultry. Like, okay. I mean, you got poultry. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could have gone to uh, <laughs>
0: There's always the three letter chains. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So I ended up at one of the chains. The three letter wasn't here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the other one that typically resides across the street. And I remember when I walked in, like I'm, I'm small town. Right. And I'm a people person. So I walked in and said, can I talk to the manager? Are they here? Introduced myself, handed her my resume. And she was just like, you got to apply online. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I just want to, you know, introduce myself. And, and I walked out and I cried the whole way home. Oh, man. And, you know, I mean, I was like 22 years old and I just cried. And I was like, I'm going to have to go to another job that I probably one that I will like less. Right. Um, yeah. Then I did my last one. And uh, by four o'clock that day, the owner of the, the independent pharmacy in the hospital called. And he said, he just stated his name and he goes, I've changed my mind. I was like, great. Awesome. (laughs) His Uh, technicians were probably like, like, (laughs) dude, call
0: her now. (laughs) (laughs) It was
1: Monday. It was a Monday. And he was (laughs) like, well, why don't you come in next week and you can work all week and see if you like it. I can see if I like you, if you like me and we can work together. And at the end of the week, if you don't like it or I don't like you, I'll just pay you and write you a letter of recommendation. And
0: I was like, all right, win, win, I guess. That's actually not bad. I
1: said, said, okay, but it's Monday. What time do you open tomorrow? And so I just went in the next morning and I stayed. I mean, that was the summer we weren't in class. So I stayed open to close every day and I just loved it. I just learned everything that I wanted to learn. And and I got to serve diverse populations. I come from a very, you know, just non-diverse town. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I hadn't experienced Caring for patients who didn't speak English and uh, just seeing the way that that um, this pharmacist and and his wife is a family owned business and how they really took care of the community, regardless of anything, like all the things you could discriminate against a person for. It just didn't matter. Mm -hmm. They took care of everybody. And no matter if they could pay or not, they figured out a way. Nobody left the drugstore without what they needed. And I had the time and there was never, a, you know, nobody ever said, hey, you're taking too long to counsel or
3: mm, you don't have
1: time to open yeah. that glucometer and show somebody how to check their blood sugar. You know, it was it was really incredible. And uh, I went to work for him after school and uh, we partnered with an FQHC okay. and mm-hmm. the FQHC wanted us to move our store out of the hospital and move into the building where they reside. Okay. And he was like, I'm not moving but I'll send Victoria. She can open up a store down there. <laughs> I've been out of school three months and I was like, <laughs> what? Like I'm barely learning to pharmacist by myself. Right. And you know, I, I don't think that, you know, the thought was that it would grow into what it, what it is. But, um, you know, I just, it was one of those things. I don't know the answer, but you just say yes and you figure it out. Right. And, uh, they, they provided me a lot of support and I got to make mistakes and they didn't fire me for it. They just let me learn from them. And, cool.
2: you know, it's been great. It's been very, a great relationship. Very Richard Branson yeah, approach, that's awesome. right? I think that's a Richard Branson quote. Someone yeah, gives you a so. really good opportunity and you're you not sure how it. to do it. You just say yes. You well, that, it, that's how later. he founded I mean, Virgin, right? He <laughs> right?
0: sold seats on a plane he didn't own.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> right. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great story. I'm a little
1: bit too cautious for that kind of stuff, but yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I'd call him for the first like six months. I'd call him about everything. Mm. And he's like, one day he's just like, quit calling me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why? And he goes, because this is your story. You have to run it the way that you want to, and you're going to have to figure it out. Like, and you know, he'd tell me, I don't know all the answers. And I think that, You know, I'm I'm big on asking what other people what do you do? How do you do it? You know, and learning from other people. That's why I love this podcast. Kind of feel like I was almost like, no, I can't be on the podcast. I can't take a spot from somebody I'll learn from. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 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 Like I don't have anything to contribute, you know. But um That is not true
2: at all, (laughs) by the way. But anyway, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um so well, that's something different though. So like usually there's not a lot of folks that say Hey, I'm going to open up a new pharmacy that is not just a kind of community pharmacy. It's right either subplanted in an FQAC or right next to it, but definitely very much a part of it. What what did you learn in in that aspect? What was different or unique about it?
1: Oh man, it's beautiful. Um so the spot we got was 500 square feet. That's huge. So <laughs> so large. So big. <laughs> um you know, and um and when I tell you that I they enabled me to make a lot of mistakes. They gave me the plans and said draw it.
2: Oh gosh. Like, nice.
1: Um but it really it was it was really great because I also worked part time. Like we contracted out my hours to the community clinic. I don't know if I'm supposed to. To the FQHC um in order for me to be part-time clinical pharmacist and see mm-hmm. patients within the clinic okay. because they they really needed that. So, you know, I think about 10 or 12 hours a week, I went over there and had a schedule of patients and that was really great um, to see that aspect of it and to get, get to know the providers there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was relationships.
3: Mm.
1: I mean, again, it all goes back to relationships. Once I was able to like, you just need one opportunity really when you're talking with physicians or nurse practitioners or physician assistant, whoever the provider is, you know, No matter what it is, be ready to try to answer their questions and solve their problems. And once you solve one, then you're in.
2: Yeah, you're a resource now.
1: And uh, so, you know, learning that aspect and seeing like their pain points and how we could help solve them relatively easy. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy because a lot of the pain points that physicians and and these primary care providers are having could be solved by a pharmacist pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, or relatively easy, you know, med adherence. Well, okay, is it that you can't afford it? Well, here, you know, this is what's covered by your insurance, or we can get a coupon, or, you know, it was that kind of stuff that's not really super clinical, or, you know, it's a, they're not taking their metformin twice a day because they're sick at their stomach all the time, and you change it to Mm -hmm. ER, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, Mm -hmm. because they were getting ready to DC, DC the drug, And you just solved a problem for them and they get to keep the patient on metformin, you know, which we, we know is good. So, um, you know, I think that that partnership was just beautiful in that way that they just say, Victoria, here, here's my patient, like fix it, (laughs) fix the issue. (laughs) And after a while, that's kind of what it became, you know, it kind of became that. And, um, you know, obviously we, we wanted, you know, everybody to fill their prescriptions with us. But really, those two things were very separate. You know, uh, my right. pharmacy was very, it was very small and uh, the waiting area wasn't great. And we only had so much room for staff. Right. So this FQHC sees like 40,000 people a year. Right. So it was, that was not going to be their, you know, go to. But mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that, you know, patients had access to a pharmacist could, who could sit down with them in the clinic, you know, and that was great. That was really great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot of med management.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't, was this, I don't know if it was Ed or somebody I was talking to. I, I love the idea where you guys are going out and doing those types of things that pharmacists are best at. You know, like, it, I might get some flack on this, but I'll say it anyway. Like When pharmacists keep pushing for prescriptive authority, I think it's silly, right? Like, I didn't go to school to diagnose. I went to school to manage medications. And yeah, so, when yeah, you're in those exactly. facilities, like things that you spent four years getting a doctorate in, yeah, you can solve those problems, and they're trivial problems to you, and they're not to doctors and PEs and PAs because they got a semester of drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to be the guy who diagnoses and treats. I mean, there's some trivial things like strep. That's fine. Sure, sure, sure. The yeah. Like, can help yeah. I, I, I want to be the investigator. It's a public
1: health issue, I think, is where I kind of draw the line on that. Right. You know, like. Um, pharmacists are going to have prescriptive authority for oral contraceptives right. um, next year. And, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't something that I really pushed for and, um, but I wasn't against it. You know, I was just kind of neutral about it. Right. Um, obviously I want to practice at the top of my license. I want my pharmacists to practice at the top of their license, but, it, you know, when thinking about that, it's like, well, yeah, we have the highest teen pregnancy rate in the country. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, Arkansas specifically access. does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know yeah, I know. It's probably something I shouldn't tout on this podcast. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all right. Not something well, I mean, you're not, you're not saying it,
0: it but, as you're proud of it. You're saying it as right. a matter I mean, of fact.
1: It's, it's a public, it's a public health yeah, situation, no, a, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, if we can help just like with COVID, you know, we did, we did our part or we're doing our part with vaccines and monoclonal antibodies testing, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I think that that's great when you give pharmacists the ability to, you know, you untie their hands and allow them to help in, a, in an area where it's really desperately needed. But I think you're right, Josh. I, I think that if the primary care providers could diagnose, we could review labs and medications and mm-hmm. take it from there.
2: And manage, yeah. Right. It'd be
1: a game changer with right. healthcare, but there's got to be a payment model for it, you right. know? Right. Yeah, and, um, it's really hard to get payers to pay for something that they just cannot, they still see us as the commodity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And it's so hard. Once you say pharmacy, they're like drug.
3: Yeah. Right. Pills in a bottle. <laughs>
1: you know? Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and usually it's how much less expensive can we get the drug? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's interesting where, you know, you start seeing like the, the vertical integration of a, a health system or a health plan owning a PBM when they own a pharmacy, that's when I've got a problem with it. But joining medical and pharmacy together makes sense because you should be looking at total cost of care. Who cares yeah. how much you spend on metformin? Like, yeah. It it's stupid, right? Yeah. When you spend money on a renal transplant, different story. Right? Like
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's yeah, just It's bonkers. really hard
1: to separate those two. You know, I love, you know, going to I'm gonna plug CPS in right now. <laughs> um, but like going back to, you know, Joe, I'm sure that you guys have seen the slide where he shows the, you know, hundred percent pie and drug is ten percent and yeah. mm-hmm. all the medical spend is ninety percent. And, you know, if you can just it we can't forget about the ten percent because I'll agree with Jeff who was just on the whose podcast just aired, like mm-hmm. Prescription is still the bulk of our business. Right. I mean, right. dispensing prescriptions. We're not at the point where you can say, okay, well, I'll give up a little of that for this. You're you're not going to put a sign on your door and says says we're not going to accept any more prescriptions. <laughs> like, right, you're just right. not going to do we it. We only. Yeah. And so yeah. Yep. we have to find. Uh, we have to make sure that the payment model there is good, and we're we're, you know, at cost recovery plus. Like, I mean, I don't I don't think it's. You're right. Pharmacy benefit managers and insurance companies are going to see. Well, what's the minimum dollar I can pay, Mm. or sometimes the minimum cents I can pay
3: (laughs) for this for this
1: drug? We got to be able to be paid for that service. And Mm. I'm, you know, I want to explore clinical options and get those the paid for those services that really utilize my degree and my expertise. Um, But we can't forget about this other side, you know. And
0: you know, and it's just one thing on top of that. The prescription is often the reason you have that patient in front of you. So if you completely decouple the prescription from the clinical service, you lose how frequently you're in front of that patient. That's something that I, I think we kind of tend to lose sight of as well. All these clinical services that we can offer are only on the horizon because you see that person 12 times a year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of part of what but... I've heard you say before too, where it's like, that's also why when you decouple those, you see like call center MTM not work and mm-hmm. really not be impactful. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Because mm-hmm. you're not standing in front of the patient 12 times a month. Right. Or yeah, 12 times yeah. a year. Sorry. And
1: that's funny you bring that up. I got a call from a, a vendor this week and uh, saying that, you know, We've got this new clinical program, and where when you have clinical opportunities, we'll just do them for you mm. and make sure you get the payments. So you don't lose the opportunity. And I said, absolutely not. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that we we check box every single clinical opportunity that comes across. You know, um, it's it's really hard to make sure you're you're taking advantage of all of those, but they're not going to do it any better. No, My, right. You know. You, the reason nope. you have those patients is because you've developed those relationships and they don't want to hear from an outside call center, you know? Right. So it's, how do we continue to keep up this volume and doing these prescriptions? you know, filling these prescriptions, you know, in the best way that we can, but also expand our staff, you know, the payment's mm-hmm. got to be there right. to be able to hire, you yep. know, and anytime you hire before you have the payment, you're, that's, that's just a—it's a huge risk, and right. um, we're somewhere caught in the middle right now.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah it, we're you're kind of in that spot where you know when a when a pharmacy goes to implement MedSync for the first twenty five percent of their patients that go on MedSync, it's more work for the pharmacy. It's a huge pain in the butt, and then you hit that critical part where you've got enough people on MedSync where it starts to free up a bunch of time. We're Mm -hmm. in that bucket right now where you've got enough clinical services on your plate where it's additive to your workload, not adding to your ability to, you know, add more people, add, you know, different processes, re-engineer your process. You're in that part right now where it's just really painful.
1: Yeah, for sure. We're at about 30% med sync and, um, which I'm really proud of because the, the particular community that we serve, it's, it's, it is difficult. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's very difficult, challenging. Um, we had, we just had a strategic planning meeting with our, our med group. You know, my med syncs totally out of workflow from, you know, we've got acute, non-acute mm-hmm. workflow and, um, had a meeting with them. And You know, I've got one, one coach who's like, you know, I think I've got, we're doing pretty well. And then I've got one coach who's like, Hey, I got barriers. Like I know where your vision is. I know you want to move to clinical med sync and you want to do these enhanced services and really provide this next level care where we're helping patients manage their disease. I can't get them to answer the phone. Mm. So, so how are we going to, or when I answer the phone, I start asking, okay, well, you don't want your form this month. How come, you know, it's perceived as, oh, She's being nosy. Like, why should yeah, kind of you know? Like yep. mm-hmm. we have some we have some major barriers and have to rethink kind of the way that we do sync in certain populations. Because um I've been to, you know, been to Mexico, been to um everywhere I go outside the country, I have to go to the pharmacy, right? Oh, we have cool. to see how everybody right. else does nice. it. And when you go to like Mexico, you just walk in and say, This is what I want, and you leave with it you know, for the most part. Oh,
2: wow. And, uh, except totally for the really different. fun stuff. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, like, except yeah. For like the, I g- walked yeah. up
1: and I was like, I'm not a diabetic by the way, but I said, oh, I'm going to need some insulin. You know, what's your best insulin? And the girl's like, well, we have all these. And huh. you know, there's no, like, it's just very much, it seems like just plug and play, just whatever you want, mm-hmm. you take, you know, it's, it's different. And you know, it may not be that way in every community, right. but the few places that I've been, that's, that's how it is. And, and when I ask patients, you know, what, what has your past experience been? They're like, well, if my doctor tells me I'm going to be on lisinopril for the rest of my life, I don't need to go but like the, the concept of going back to get labs drawn or whatever to get another prescription. It's like, why do I have to do that?
3: Right. <laughs> I yeah. have high
1: blood pressure, you know, and like just explaining the concepts of like our prescription filling process is, um, right. is a challenge we have. And so med sync, it's like when you're trying to grow, you also don't want to your staff to be like banging their head into a wall because, yeah. oh, well, she wants me to grow this percentage or she wants me to have this many patients, but I'm spending days and days trying to track some of these patients down.
3: Right. You know,
1: they agree mm-hmm. to it when we first talked to it, but talk to them, but it's not mm. fully there. So, you know, we're trying to like revisit that and figure out, right. okay, how do we change our process? Because I truly believe you have to meet the patient where they're at. You have know, to figure out, yeah. you know, does that mean? Does that mean? Does that mean our hours for MedSync are different? Calls are made between twelve and eight, like right. instead of right eight to six or eight to four. You know, when people are working, you know, you got to meet people where they are. And uh, it'd be really great if the RX local app was in Spanish. Just going to put that out there. <laughs>
0: It, it is an issue in my queue.
2: <laughs> it's in Josh's queue.
1: I know. I bring it up every time. Like, um, no, <laughs>
0: you know, it's funny. I was about to say we're we're in the process of rolling out some some MedSync notifications where you can send them a notification. Mm-hmm. They go through and say, this is what I need. This is what I don't need. But that will not work for your Spanish or your Marshallese patients because those web pages are written in English.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of been a, a, a thing I would really love to utilize the app you know, because I think they could they could respond to that on their time and um, you know, still trying to figure out some of those things. But um for the most part, you know, it I think it's gonna require a higher level of um touch with the patient at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. maybe have a pharmacist come in and say, uh, I'm gonna okay. meet with you, I'm gonna explain MedSync and, you know, um have their coach there to meet them. Um you know, and have that almost like a CMR, in-person CMR Mm -hmm. when we enroll them. So maybe that there's a better stick, you know, you got that stickiness now.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and so I've actually, I've been in a couple of pharmacies that do something similar and one of them is part of an ACO. And so, so similar to kind of your population, right? Um, And they'll do kind of an induction phase of MedSync where the pharmacist will do the first one. And if it's a complicated patient, the pharmacist will stay on for two to three months. And if it's a simple one, then they'll transition it off. But everyone comes in and they get like kind of a full clinical review and then figure out what their goals are. And mm-hmm. then they move it over and, you know, their patients are already part of an ACO. So they get more touches of like case management yeah. and things like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. it, it does seem to help establish the, okay, this is important. And if they can be important and convenient, yeah. then, then it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We, you know, we have a pharmacist that's going over and and doing that role within the FQHC um, Mm -hmm. that I previously was in. And we're trying to make that different. you know, look at, you know, okay, well, we didn't have success. We didn't have as much success as we wanted in the way that we were doing it before. So how do we transition this and make sure that these things are married? You know Mm -hmm. what we're doing in the clinic complements what we're doing in the pharmacy and, you know, all to improve adherence and, and improve, you know, access to care for these patients. So yeah, we may be doing something very similar to that.
2: Cool. That's super, that's super interesting. Uh, Oh, I got, before we, I, I don't, I don't want to close out before asking this cause you're fairly, fairly fresh in your buying journey, right? When you bought the mm-hmm. pharmacy, you said what back in 2020? Yeah, July twenty twenty. Yeah, what what kind of you know? Because we do get some people that are like, "Hey, I'm think I'm starting one, or I think I'm going to buy one, or I'm trying to fight." You know, they will listen to Jeff Harrell too talk about like, "Hey, here's some creative ways to finance it." What was some of the stuff you mm-hmm. learned about how to do it without getting any like anything into particulars too much? But I uh, know you're you're a new young you're a new owner ish. What we
0: can say young <laughs> yeah. again? Yeah,
2: young again. We'll say young, we say again. young again. Say I was yeah, super young, youthful owner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um well, you know i I'll say when Jeff was talking about you know there are a lot of owners who, especially with capital gains tax right. um taxes going up that may want owner finance and to lower their tax limit- you know liability i I think that that's definitely something that uh young entrepreneurs should think on um and okay. contemplate you know um. I, we got, that's pretty much how we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he was saying that, I was like, Oh, I, I, I did a good thing. You know, not to say that that's right for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, that was, that was kind of the, the right path for us.
2: Okay. And the owner, st- the owner stayed, stayed involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he works one day a week um, and okay, he cool. covers Saturday so I can, hmm. Watch cartoons with my kids.
3: Nice. Or all right. You
1: know, catch up on workouts.
3: <laughs> yeah. Or or yes, yes. <laughs> you know, It kind of just
1: feels like work twenty four seven for the past two years. But you know, yeah, he he's still on, and um him and his wife own it, and right. and she works still at the pharmacy. So oh, cool. we've got a a good relationship, and and yeah, just seems to work that way.
2: That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's good to see someone.
0: I, I'm just like if I'm at a place where I'm about to retire the one day a week I work is not going to be Saturday.
2: (laughs) You know, I,
1: it's, it's definitely our, um, slowest day of the week. Mm. And I think, you know, the Saturdays that I work sometimes with him when we do, when we do clinic, like vaccine clinics, he he doesn't administer vaccines. Um, you know, it kind of feels like the old days Mm -hmm. a little bit, you Uh, know, and, um, the demographic of the store has changed a lot and you know a lot of the patients that that used to go in and see him they like to go in on Saturdays cuz they can yeah. he has the time you know right. more time right. and he's got time he to spend with the them yeah our our pharmacy is chaos you know <laughs> 24/7 you remember you go back to that oh we're in that hard place between you know when we're building Medsync and whatever yeah mm-hmm. and then you know we're blessed to be able to have the constant influx of new patients through the partnership with the FQHC. And, um, so it, it stays pretty busy and there's a lot of people like I've had other pharmacy owners who, um, come in and they're like, Oh my God, how many people do you have working here? And I'm like a lot, I don't know, I lost count. back. <laughs> um, you know, when you have three main languages being spoken in your pharmacy yeah. at any given time, you know, you got to have people who speak those languages. And, um, you know, until I can convince more um more of our uh Latino, Latina or Marshallese Pacific Islander kiddos to go to pharmacy school. Um yeah. you know, I gotta have a lot of a lot of help. And uh so there's always a lot of people, you know, and Saturdays seem to be kind of kind of back to that old school feel sometimes.
2: I see. I see. That uh,
0: makes sense now. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. man, if I could sleep in until like <laughs> nine o'clock on a Saturday, I would do it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not a morning person. I'm a, I'm a night owl. So I like, I could literally work the pharmacy from like ten or eleven to like ten or eleven at night.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's well,
1: like that would be like my ideal schedule but
0: if yeah, I could. I used to I was the, just
2: thinking about work.
0: <laughs> pre kid and pre being married, like working two to ten was my favorite
2: schedule. Two, oh, okay. oh, I yeah. bet. Yeah. Kind of like a s- swingish shift, kind of. Yeah, what like two it p.m. Or, to ten yeah.
0: p.m. Yeah, I could sleep till.
2: Yeah.
0: Eleven forty-five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do that anymore. I, like, yeah. I would, wouldn't even know how.
0: Oh yeah. I, that's definitely out the door now, but
1: like we're at the age where the three year old's standing at your bed and like you roll over, you're like, Oh my gosh, where'd you come from?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the most disconcerting <laughs> like, way. Time. Yeah. I woke up at five o'clock this morning. That exact way. My daughter was like staring me in the face. She's like, daddy. I'm like,
2: very unsettling, Isn't it crazy Very how they unsettling. can be so loud. I know, but then be and like a ninja stealth ninjas it between yeah. the hours of like 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. to appear right in your two inches away from your face, yeah. After having yes.
0: stepped over two dogs, <laughs>
2: right? Right, right, right. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't touch anything on the way up here, but man, um, yeah, the second you need to get on the phone, whew, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have, have sure. kids Kids are great everyone yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know we've talked a lot about kids they're wonderful we love i love them, them. Very much. i love them
2: more than anything i them. continue to, so, to grip around you kids
1: create a small version of yourself you're yeah. like oh man i know i don't know that i'd hang out with me yeah,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> yes i i'm actively cohen i love you but i'm actively trying to not raise a d-bag and so uh <laughs> <laughs> just, like, yeah, because he has those moments where I'm like, man, I think I might have ruined you a little bit. But okay, all right.
1: Man, I'm telling you, yeah, Matthew, just run right up to Lindley. She's six and he's three and he'll just run right up and like, hit her in the back. <laughs> right, right. like, she's, like, where did, she's like, mom, what are you going to do? And I was just like, hit him back. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm close. winging it. You don't know that by now? <laughs> right, right now? Yeah. You're six. You should have figured this out by now. <laughs> <Right>.
0: well, <laughs> yes. And we'll we'll look back at this podcast in 20 years and realize that all three of us have Messed up our kids in very specific and different ways. Mostly positive. Probably. I mean,
1: it's so. think so funny. The more you, the more you like focus on not screwing them up. Is like almost. Right.
0: Well, yeah, it's almost funny. Goes so, the other way. Real. My wife's actually going back to school to do a master's in family counseling, and like I learned a lot from reading her like weekly papers because I'll proofread them. Uh, <laughs> not, not for like. For fun. Active. Con- no, I mean, she's oh, like she grammar wants, and yeah, spell. Yeah, okay. Like, okay.
2: <laughs> so I don't know. Make I mean, sure she's doing it right. Or what? <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like
0: <laughs> Okay. All right. I got you. Let no. me mansplain <laughs> how you become a counselor. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. Right. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 Jess would tell you to go Pretty to sure hell, <laughs> help. But, yeah. but anyway, yeah.
0: more grammar and punctuation. All right. Um, But like, you know, one of the things that's kind of wild is even if you do an amazing job, your kid's going to have like that one neuroses that just pops there. Right. Like maybe you were too good at something and that gave them this weird I'm never going to do that. Oh yeah. Right. So like you, your kids respond in different ways to different stimuli and end up messed up even against your best judgment.
3: Yep. Mm
1: -hmm. And I tell you, I think I've put a fear like Lindley's like scared of everything, you know, she's very cautious, (laughs) Cautious very cautious job. And then, you know, whatever we did differently, Matthew's the exact opposite. Like he would, climb up and jump off the roof. Sure, like sure, if You sure. let yeah, him, yeah. you know, and she was telling me like, you know, she's really big into cartwheels and, and round offs. And, you know, she's doing them constantly. Like she, she leaves the dinner table to go do three cartwheels and comes back, you know. Hmm. And uh, last night we were like, you know, you should let's do let's do gymnastics. Like you're really good at this. You've taught yourself to do a one handed cartwheel. Like, That's how great. do you even do that? How do you get the bravery to do that? And then she just balls and she's like, no, I don't want to do gymnastics. And we're just trying to figure out like, what, what? why do you yeah. not want to do it? Yeah. And come to find out she didn't want to go on a tightrope. She thought gymnastics
2: was the circus. On. I gotcha. She, like,
1: you never know what's going on in their head. Pit it's of alligators.
2: Crazy. Yeah. No. Oh, wow. That's what? crazy.
1: No, you will not have to go on a tightrope.
2: Yeah, right? no, there's no, she's like, ropes.
1: okay, I'll go this weekend. And I'm like, well, mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So all right. We so you're signing up for yeah.
2: gymnastics this week. Yeah, we're
1: signing up this week. <laughs> all
2: right. So Thank you well, so
1: much for having me. Well, this is really an honor. I, I hope that you got some good stuff.
2: We did. We did. Victoria, so good to have you. Um, and the work you're doing with CPSN and all those other pharmacies does not go, I guess, unrecognized. I know everyone talks that I've talked to is like she's going to be great. She's awesome. You are. You were. And uh, to I uh, will. I guess we'll send you off being the. 2020 Distinguished Young Pharmacist um, of Arkansas go. Pharmacy Association. So
1: Well, thanks so much.
2: <laughs> All righty.
0: Thank you. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast.
2: If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast.
0: Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.